Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Wellness and Wanderlust. I'm so grateful to have you join me this week for our 50th episode of the show. That's right. We have come up on 50 episodes. This podcast would not exist without listeners like each and every one of you. So thank you so much for being a part of this journey with me. I can't wait to see what the next 50 episodes of this show bring. I'm going to keep my opening remarks short this week so we can get into the good stuff. We have an amazing guest that I know you're going to love, and I am so excited for you to hear from her. Nanette Hucknall is an award-winning author, psychotherapist, teacher, lecturer, painter, and the founder of Higher Self Yoga. In our conversation, we talk about what the higher self truly means and how we can tap into that part of ourselves. Nanette shares the story of her own spiritual journey and how it tied into her work as a psychotherapist. We also discuss how busy professionals can incorporate spirituality into their lives, ways to cope in difficult times, tips for those who are new to meditation, and even a little about her work in past life regression. This is a topic that I've been really interested in learning more about, and it was truly a fascinating conversation. I know that our listeners are going to learn a ton from Nanette today, so without further ado, let's dive into this week's conversation. Hi, Nanette. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust today. Well, thank you, Valerie, for letting me come here and talk to you. Absolutely. It is such a pleasure to have you. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey to where you are today? Well, I'm 88 years old, so it's been a very long journey and very full. And I do want to talk about my wellness journey also because wellness has been a very major part of my life and who I am. But I'll try to be brief on this because it is a long life. I started off at mainly my main job was being an art director in New York City. And when I was 33 years old, I met my spiritual teacher who was, I was studying with him, Agni Yoga. And of course, there I learned meditation for the first time, which was wonderful and so important in my life. Then in my 40s, I started an organization with a friend called the Center for Peace Through Culture. And in that organization, I was the president for the whole time, for 12 years. And we started to do programs and have a lot of volunteers. And when those volunteers, I think we ended up having about 60 volunteers doing our programming. And I said, you know, I think I need people skills. So at the time, we were renting an office from an organization called Psychosynthesis. And Psychosynthesis was a transpersonal therapy that was developed by Roberto Asagioli, an Italian. So I took the the three-year training, and in the training, I discovered the higher self, because the higher self was part of the training. And meeting the higher self completely changed my life spiritually and psychologically. So at one time during this, this training, a friend came to visit me and said, you know, I hate my job. I don't want to know what I want to do in life. It's just awful. And I said, let me try an exercise with you. So I did a higher self exercise with her and it worked. And she found out from her higher self what it was that she was meant to do. And then suddenly she started sending me all her friends. So I said, wait a minute, I've got to do something here. So I, I really designed a whole process to work with people in their career 
using the higher self. And I wrote a book called Finding Your Work, Loving Your Life, which was later translated in, in four different languages from four different countries. And they changed the title to Karma, Destiny, and Your Career. So at the same time, I'm getting back to the higher self. I ended up writing my first book on the higher self. And I gave it to my spiritual brothers and sisters in my class. And they loved it. They said to me, let's do a higher self class. And that, by that time, my teacher had passed. So I kind of didn't want to do it at first, but then they kind of really talked me into it. So we started a class on the higher self. And from then, I wrote many more books. And I'll talk about how I developed that whole thing in a minute. But at one point, I decided I wanted, I wanted to leave my art director job and I wanted to leave New York. So I moved to the Berkshires. And in the Berkshires, I, it's when I really started the, the career therapy. And in the career therapy, I was doing a lot of psychotherapy because a lot of people were having problems with, in knowing their career because of their childhood conditioning. So I really worked with that. And it's, at a certain point, I end up starting to be a full-time psychotherapist. So I had a full-time practice there as a psychotherapist, or here, actually, it's right here. I no longer am doing that. I'm retired from that. But I had a full-time psychotherapy practice. And at the same time, I also started doing a lot of workshops with my business partner, Judy Bach. And we went, we did workshops in Canada, Europe, United States, and I even did a workshop in Costa Rica. And we did those for quite a few years. And those workshops were spiritual and also psychological, continuing with the whole psychological thing and working with the higher self in the workshops also. I think that's such an incredible journey. And I'm so inspired by everything that you've done and just hearing about how this process changed your life spiritually and psychologically. I would love to know for so many of our listeners, you know, we may have heard of the higher self before, but what does it truly mean? Well, the higher self is. Well, for example, everybody has an ego self and you use your ego self in your everyday life. That's what you mainly use to function in your daily life is your ego self. And you have a lower self, which people know about when they get angry or fearful and everything else. But everybody has a higher self. And what people don't understand is the higher, they don't understand they have this higher self. But the higher self is a part in them that is also linked to their spirit to link to the source. And most teachings that teach the higher self are talking about the higher self as being linked to this, the source. And in fact, in the tradition of the higher self, which goes back hundreds of years, the key difference of the higher self is that they're working only with the spiritual self. But the higher self yoga also has incorporated the psychological approach to overcoming inter-obstacles and also will help people grow spiritually. And so that's why I incorporated in higher self yoga the whole psychological aspect, which was not in the other higher self teachings. And, and by the way, there were no other, self, other higher self teachings or yogas. They were just part of many different yoga teachings. But I made it an actual yoga because I felt it was such an important thing to do and for everyone to do spiritually and psychologically. And as I started doing that and on all the classes, I started having classes all over the United States in Canada. And I did retreats every year. I still do retreats every year, week, one week retreats. And I also do uh, mini retreats. 
and I had classes everywhere in this country. I also, at a certain point, decided to make higher self a yoga, an actual yoga. So I incorporated it into a yoga and is a not-for-profit yoga. And that's what higher self yoga is now. And on the website, we now have thousands and thousands of people coming to our website from all different nations. And it's just amazing to me that in all my lifetime, this ever happened. Just because one simple thing, I wanted to work with volunteers. Isn't that amazing? Just one thing in your life made you do something that changed your whole life. That's incredible. And I I love the incorporation of yoga into it because I think there's something so impactful about also including the physical into it. I think our bodies hold so much of our emotions and we can learn a lot from them. How exactly does the yoga play into it? And for listeners who are newer to the side of yoga, what are some of the benefits to that? Well, I want to go back to the wellness thing because uh, that I had is that my whole life I have exercised. I used to swim and play tennis, and now I'm 88, and I do an hour and a half of exercise every day. And when I can go back to the gym, I'll go back to classes. I will go to my Pilates classes, and that has been so important to me physically. And that's why I think I've lived to be 88. Also, I'm a vegetarian, and I've done that for a few years now. And the, the whole wellness thing to me is not just the physical, though. I also think it has a lot to do with the psychological wellness and coming to the emotions. When I was in my twenties, I was extremely emotional. I would to the fact that when I date somebody and break up with the person, I would be sick. I would be sick for days and be so upset. It would just, just hurt my whole body, my whole body. And honestly, until I started working with the higher self and meditating, I, I couldn't get rid of that emotion. And I really, working with a higher self helped me tremendously to, to understand the emotion and to let it go, to really let it go. So, you know, it just no longer control my life. So I think that the higher self, working with the higher self will also do the same thing that you is physically helps people. And, you know, you're right, physically, I, I love the deep breathing. You know, I do a lot of deep breathing with, with my exercises. And it's very important to, to do that and to feel your body is a, a physical, beautiful thing that you can come to that calmness. I think physically you can experience that calmness also. I, I take a chair yoga class that is wonderful in doing that, those kind of exercises that bring you to the feeling of beingness within you. And meditation does the same thing. And the higher self also does the same thing. It brings you into that place of calm, beauty within yourself. I think that's incredible. And it's something that so many of us often struggle with, especially with our devices at our fingertips. I feel like oftentimes in this world, we don't take the time for that stillness and to be one with that higher self. So I really, I really love that. What are some things we can do just to start getting into that state a little bit more, especially for those of us who maybe are glued to our phones and haven't really taken the time to explore that side? Well, I think one thing to do is walk in nature. I mean, nature is very much a part of the higher self teaching. Actually, we work with shaman exercises in our teaching to help connect with nature. So I think 
when you're feeling that angst, angst, angst in you, I think it's so important just to walk in nature, to experience the beauty of it, to experience beauty in your life. No matter what it is, listen to beautiful music or even, you know, fast music and dance with it. But just feel that physically, the beauty and bring that beauty into who you are. I mean, I'm very fortunate because I live in a lake and I see the sunset over the water every night. And so I spend, when it's not raining, I'll, I'll go out my porch and sit there and just watch the sunset for almost an hour. And just breathe in the beauty of it and just not have any thoughts. Just try not to have any thoughts in my mouth. It's, you know, my mind, it's like meditating to really not have any, any thoughts and just breathe in the beauty into your physical being. I think that helps you tremendously. I think that is such a great tip and something that it is free for us to take advantage of and something that we often, I think, neglect that there is beauty in everywhere that we live. And I was even thinking about my own anxiety the other day and realizing that when I am having a really difficult time, getting outside is one of the best ways for me to kind of bring myself back and to calm down and to really refocus and reset if I'm having a difficult time, even just a walk around my neighborhood and kind of looking over at the lake and watching the ducks and seeing nature. And I think all of that has such a powerful effect for us. Yeah, we have we have herons here and geese, and we even have an eagle family here. Oh my gosh. It's wonderful. And when I used to have a paddle boat and I go out the water like at seven o'clock in the morning and, and just see the, the herons and talk to the herons. It was just beautiful. And the water was like silk. It was wonderful. And I would start my day off that way, which was just great. Just great. There's something so therapeutic in that. Now, I'd love to know because we've we've touched on meditation a little bit as well. And for many of us, I think that can be something a little bit intimidating. Maybe we know it's something that would be beneficial for us, but we may not really know where to begin. What are your tips for kind of getting started with a meditation practice? Well, I think it's good to do early in the morning after you get up and get dressed, but before you start anything that's major in the day, before you have breakfast or before you, you go to work or any of that, just take five minutes even or 10 minutes and find a spot in your house that's going to be your spot to sit when you meditate. If you live with people, it's a place, a cushion or something that is only yours to sit on or a chair that's only yours to sit on. Because what you want to do when you meditate is to build up a vibration that tells your body, this is the time to meditate. This is the time to be calm and to stop thinking. And so you, you find a spot that's really quiet where you can sit and do it early in the morning. And maybe just start off with five minutes or 10 minutes just to start to, to breathe in the, with the breathing exercises and to just try to make yourself feeling very calm. It's also good if you if you can burn incense, some people are allergic to it, to burn incense and to have a candle, light a candle. Or if you have somebody that, you know, if you believe in Jesus or Buddha or any beautiful being, higher being, get a picture of him or even her and put it on a little, little platform, make that your little shrine. And again, keep it your private place where only you can sit and be, in, be there. And, and just just start doing it. And the main thing to do 
that is very important to do is to do it every day. Some people, oh, I'm going to meditate today, and they do it in the middle of the day, and they do it, they do it once a week. Or you're not building up that vibration that I'm talking about. Because when you start to do it every day, you're telling your body, this is my time to meditate. This is my time to quiet down, to stop my thinking, and to really, really just relax. And just to let my body relax. And when you do that, you need to also, if you haven't meditated, you're going to have a lot of what you call monkey thinking coming up. (laughs) And the monkey thinking is what will stop you. So, I mean, some really good practices that you can, you can, and some very good books on meditation. But the main thing to do is if you put your hands together, you have a thought or a sentence coming in your head, you immediately turn your attention to the feel of your hands and you stop that sentence going to the next sentence and the next sentence. What I did when I started meditating, I would, I would make a symbol. I would imagine a symbol like a cross and a cross through that and that would be my symbol and that would stop the thought or some people will say you see a blackboard and you just erase it from the blackboard because you want to stop the first thought because the first thought then goes to the next one the next one the Mm -hmm. next one all you're doing is monkey thinking so it's disciplining the mind and it will take a while it takes practice so don't get discouraged and even when you, you're a good meditator, you will have periods where you don't have good meditations. But you want to get to the place where you don't have the thoughts coming in. And you let yourself just go out into the subtle, what we call the subtle world. And if you can do that, it's just beautiful. You start to see beautiful colors and you start to even see things. But you have to be in that place of using your heart to push yourself out to that. And the only way you can do that is to stop the thinking. So even when you're starting to do that, just immediately stop the thinking. And I would suggest to everyone, if they really are interested in meditation, to get some a book on it. Look at the books. There are some very good teachers that have wonderful books and different methods to stop the thinking. And once you've stopped that thinking, then you can really meditate. And seeing meditating is a beautiful experience. You can take into meditation thoughts or ideas or just let them go or questions even and you can do the same with the higher self when you connect with the higher self you can take a thought or a question to the higher self and let it go and you might not get the answer right away you could be walking down the street and suddenly the answer pops into your head of what you need to do and meditation is it's very interesting because when i started meditating what about 33 meditation was not known in this country. It was not known anywhere except for India and and teachings that meditate like Buddhism and some yoga teachings. And there wasn't even any yoga teachings in this country at that time. But then the Buddhists did come over here. The Lamas came over to America during the time I was starting to to, to meditate. And to me, the amazing thing is the the amount of people that are now meditating. I think the Maharishi Yoga, I think, what was it? Maharishi Lama, I think it was named, was is one that started the, the real surgence of learning meditation. And he's, he's taught that yoga teaching throughout every country of the world, which is wonderful. Just wonderful. And it, to me, is, you know, I know everybody I know practically who is not, people that are, who are not even in a spiritual teaching meditate. And it's something that really helps them in their daily life. Absolutely. I think it 
I think it really can help us to tap into something bigger than ourselves so often. And at the very least, I find that when I do meditate, which I haven't quite built up that vibration, it's something I'm working toward, but haven't been as consistent as I'd like. But I do find that it also just calms me down when I'm feeling anxiety and when I'm experiencing something. It I think allows me to be a little bit more resilient Mm -hmm. and to handle situations a lot better. Yeah, almost definitely. Yeah. And you know, even if you're, if you're going into some kind of a a situation that is going to be stressful for you, like you're just saying, just before you do that, just spend a a few minutes meditating, just clinking and linking with your higher self also, by the way, and just, you know, calming yourself down before you go into that situation. So you can be a a place of clarity. I think that's such great advice. I found myself doing a little bit of that when I, pre-pandemic, when situations were a little bit more crowded, I do have a little bit of a claustrophobia. And knowing I was going into a situation that was extremely stressful for me, even just focusing on my breathing made such a difference in how I handled the situation in the moment because it is incredibly anxiety-inducing you know, to be in that situation and centering myself before then, I think made all the difference. Yes. Yeah. That's very good. That's good advice to all your listeners. Really, it's very good advice. Thank you. So I I would love to know too, I think so often as busy professionals, we kind of have almost this demarcation between being very, very busy and career focused only and having that focus on the spirituality. I think oftentimes we don't link the two together. And in your experience, you have focused on the higher self to help others to figure out their dream careers even. And I'd love to know how exactly that works, how they've been able to tap into that and how busy professionals can start changing their mindset around that to tap into the higher self. Well, it, it makes a huge difference if you start working with the higher self in, in, at your job and in, in any kind of business. I was fortunate enough to learn about the higher self when I was still working as an art director. And I started using it right away. And I found that when I went into meetings and I, I would spend just two, five minutes maybe just to first link with my higher self, which pumped me down. And I found that when I went into an actual meeting, I listened better. I had clearer thoughts coming in my mind in terms of responses. And I could just pick up stuff better in terms of the people around me, in terms of what they needed and what they wanted. So I really found it incredibly good for me in terms of working in meetings. I found that I had a staff that I worked with. And before I would talk to one of my, my people or have a meeting, if I had a person that I need to talk to about something they were doing that wasn't right, I really linked with my higher self so that I could sit down and be in my heart and talk to them in a very nice way. And, and I really love it more of a loving way. So I wouldn't be critical of them. So it was, I found it so helpful because my relationship with them was so much better than what, even what I had before. What I had before was very different. And I also found out when I was, you know, I had a couple really difficult bosses to work with. And yeah. I would go in there and link with my higher self beforehand. And I had to be, in some cases, extremely strong and talk in a way that was very direct and strong. I had all male bosses and I was a woman at a time as an art director, which were very few women. Mm -hmm. And it was very difficult to even get to that position. 
So I had, I can remember having my first job as an art director. I was assigned to this older man who was the account executive. And he, he said he didn't want to work with me. He told the boss, I'm not working with her. She's a woman. No way am I working with her. And they said to him, well, she's the person you're, your art director you're working with. You better start working with her. So he was so nasty. And I had to be really, I had to get into my masculine, basically, and be just hit him right back. The last one he wanted to hear me be more like the masculine in me and hit him right back to where he could hear me. Otherwise, if I was more gentle, more feminine, he wouldn't hear me. And he ended up really liking me. So, <laughs> but it was difficult. It was very difficult. And um, also, I find that when I'm really tired or I'm busy because I had a very, very tiring job, I would just take a minute to just take some of those deep breaths and link with my higher self and just let myself be calm. Just ask my higher self, let me experience your calm energy. And just take like the same thing you did with your anxiety. I would do when I get tired and, you know, really overworked at a certain point. So I found it very helpful in all in all the, the business work that I did. I think it's incredible even just being able to work so well with someone in that situation who was doubting you as a woman and being able to tap into the masculine and in the end, he actually liked you. So I think, I think, I think that's an incredible story too. And then seeing how this impacted you on a day to day basis. And I'd love to know too, with that higher self, not only in our current roles, but as I think many of us struggle with what is my purpose? What should I be doing? And you had so many clients who did discover their, their dream career path based on this type of work. How do they get there? And what are the questions we need to be asking? And how do we get ourselves into that mindset to do so? Well, I had a lot of exercises, which I took my clients through, but I worked a lot with the heart and the higher self, one of the ways in which you can connect to the higher self is through the heart. So one of the first things I did, I was, I wrote down every kind of, every kind of vocation there is from being in the arts or being in, in, in science. And I broke it down to really delineate all the different parts in those, 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 those vocations. And so I would go through them and say, okay, just close your eyes, take some deep breaths, link with your heart. I didn't have them link directly with the higher self. I just have them link with their heart. And I want you to put this particular vocation in your heart. And they put in their heart and not, and they they put it in their heart. They would either, if it was something in an area that was possible that they should be doing, they would have a heart response. They would either have a warmth or they would have a feeling or they would see a symbol or something. And they would have a heart response. If they had weren't supposed to do it, they would have no response. So that's how I first broke it down to several areas that they might have their vocation in. From there, I then took them into some other exercises. I would actually start to then work with the higher self with them. And it was interesting, I also did a lot of past life work. I studied past life regression. I don't know if you believe in past life, but the um, I had many clients that didn't believe in past life. I said, you don't have to believe in past life. Just, just go back to it. I want the higher self to take you back to a time when you were doing something that you're supposed to be doing now. And so, and the reason I started doing that 
is when I was working with one of my clients, one of my clients literally, when they talk, I asked the higher self what their vocation should be, flipped into a past life and started seeing themselves as a, there was a woman seeing herself as a man dressed differently in a different lifetime. And I said, what's happening here? And I realized, oh my God, she's going into a past life. And fortunately, um, uh, I had studied some, I had taken some, a whole week shop, workshop on court doing past life regression. And so I, I said, uh, okay, um, let's just, you know, let's just go back a little on this, you know, and I took her, took, I had a whole past life regression thing that I did, which I had learned, which takes them into a past life where they actually see uh, that, that life and see what they were doing there. And I found that a lot of times people were, couldn't find their vocation because they either failed at it in a past life and they had a lot of feelings of failure around it when they did it, or they were tortured or stoned to death or did something that put them in prison or they ended up at tragic death as a result of that vocation. I mean, I had one person who was a doctor in the Civil War and all he did was amputate legs mm. and it made him so sick that when he was finished with the, the war, was ended, he went off into the woods and lived in the woods and never practiced medicine again. And he was supposed to do it again in this lifetime. Mm. And and this is a good example of what happens with people. When I had them work with their higher self, I had them have responses from their higher self, which would rather be heart responses or it would be signals in their body. And this particular man came from, oh, I think it was from Arizona to see me. And he had he owned restaurants. He said, I don't, I don't want to be a restaurant owner anymore. So I want to find my vocation. And well, his response for a yes or no, I used to work with a yes or no answer. I don't want to go to this whole thing, but but um, uh, he he would have a, a, a crinkle in his cheek that was a yes and a crinkle in his right cheek, left cheek, yes, and right cheek, no. So when he got to the medicine part, he said, I don't want to be a doctor again. I don't want to take, I don't want to go to med school. He had never been to college. I don't want to, he was like uh, 38 or something. So I don't want to go to, be a, go to college and be a, doctor it'll take me years and oh it's just the idea is terrible so he stayed he literally stayed almost a week long and every day he would come and say we're going to try this again <laughs> profession and he would still get that crinkle on his, his he kept trying not to make his face move up and it was amazing to watch him and his face he would go on the other side <laughs> I don't know what ever happened with, but I don't. I do know he went back to Arizona and he said, "Well, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to see. I'll take science. I'm going to see." <laughs> but he did understand that his his fear around it is was about what happened to him in the Civil War that was so horrible. So a lot of that happened when I was doing the career work and with people, and that's how they ended up finding what their vocation was. I mean, they would look at the fears, and a lot of it also was childhood conditioning feelings of unworthiness. That's very much a part of people's failure to know what they need to do in life because they felt they're not good enough. They might've had parents that said, oh, you're, you're not smart enough to do anything like that. Or, or just the feeling that they're not smart enough because they were made to feel they weren't that way. So it's been amazing work doing that work. And it was also amazing. I did a lot of childhood conditioning work, working with the inner child. And that's when I started really becoming more of a psychotherapist, when I started doing that work. 
I think all of that is incredible. I've been so fascinated by past life regression. I have not personally experienced it, but I think it's an amazing concept. In your experience with past life regression, have you noticed that we tend to be drawn to the same types of things we we did in a past, like having the same passions almost as you did in a past life? Or do you find that what worked really well for us in one past life might not be the answer in, in the next? Um, what's your experience with that? Well, yes, it, actually, I, uh, I, I went to Cooper Union and I asked to take paint. I love painting. And I actually started doing a lot of painting in this life and was, was in a gallery. I had a major gallery interested in my painting. And then I, they, they came to see my work and they wanted me to do a series. And I started a whole series. And then I started this organization, Center for Peace Through Culture. So I stopped painting. But I, was, I found out that I was a painter uh, two lifetimes ago. And it was, I, I wanted to still be a painter, but I didn't really need to be a painter. It wasn't my vocation in this lifetime. So yes, you will sometimes, if it was a vocation that you love doing, you might come back with that desire to do it again. And, but things will maybe stop you from doing it because you're not meant to do it. That's not your dharma. That is so interesting. And I know you also mentioned the child conditioning work. For those who do experience those feelings of maybe not being good enough, not being smart enough when looking at career choices or really any area of their life, what are some of the ways we can work past maybe the things that our parents said to us or that maybe in, in my case that a teacher would have said, what are some ways we can work past the feelings of unworthiness toward that higher self? Well, that's why I really believe in therapy. Mm-hmm. I think it's so important for people. And I think also that that therapy is, it's if you're going to a good therapist, they're going to work with your childhood conditioning. Psychosynthesis, we actually did inner child work. So if someone came to me that had feelings of unworthiness from their childhood, you know, I would, I would actually go back to that area, that time, where they kind of regress them in a sense to that, that time when they were that inner child and have them work as the the new mother to that inner child and start working with making that child feel good about themselves. So it's about really, for example, you might might be working with the inner child that is five years old and is really feeling bad about him or herself. And you start to progress that child by starting to give it feelings. Oh, you are good enough. You are smart. You are capable of doing things, you know, and start to start to build up their ego self so that and that child will start to grow up. A child that will then become eight or nine or a teenager and 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 still meet with other kind of things that happen to them. But you want to make that help that child be healed. So it's about healing that inner child. I mean, I had I had one woman who was really petrified about going to parties. She just hated going to parties. She was very much an introvert. And it was really, she had this, this inner child that just felt really shy and didn't want to meet people. So I kind of taught her, I said, before you go to a party, I want you to you'd link with your inner child and you put it to bed and say, you're going to stay home. You're not going to come with me tonight. You're going to, you, don't have, you don't have to come and meet people. You can stay home. I'm putting you to sleep. And she, she started doing that, and she literally started loving going to parties. So it's about consciously working with your own inner child. 
And when you feel the unworthy, you get feelings are coming up in you. And when you, when you feel those feelings, they're coming into your own consciousness. And so why am I feeling this? Oh, it's because it's my inner child. Unless you just take a minute and just comfort that inner child and say, it's okay. You're really okay. You, you don't have to worry about this. You don't have to be anxious about this. You are. You just do the opposite as a teacher. You say, you really are smart. You really are good. So you can do that yourself, on a, you know, whenever you're situ- in a situation. And I called on the higher self a lot to come in and work with the person's inner child and dialogue with that child. I think that visualization is just so powerful too, just to be able to speak to that inner child because I haven't really thought about things in those terms before, but really to go back and tell, you know, your your inner child that yes, things are going to be okay, you're fine. And as you said, you don't have to worry about this because I think so often the worries that we do have really do stem from our earliest experiences. If I really think honestly about my own insecurities in life, I mean, they they do go back to that time. Yeah, that's true for most people. Really, it is true. Mm-hmm. A lot of times if they have any problem at all, it stems from when they were children or from a past life too. They could have brought it in with them. And usually if they brought it in with them, they brought it into a family that maybe had did the same thing or had the same thing, which emphasized it so that they had to then really work on it. That makes a lot of sense too. Yeah. I mean, spiritually, I feel it's so important to, if you're in a spiritual teaching, to do therapy. Uh, my first teaching, Agni Yoga, my teacher did not believe in therapy because at that time it was only Freudian therapy. He said, until therapy can be transpersonal and also work with the spiritual, then it's not going to help a person in terms of who they are spiritually, or even look in terms of who they are in their past lives. So that's why psychosynthesis is a transpersonal therapy. And now I have all, and a lot of people are doing this kind of therapy now. So one of the things I really ask of all my students is to, that they really need to do therapy. And I find the difference between you know, my students and my brothers and sisters in Agni Yoga is very different in terms of growing spiritually because they would get stuck. And a lot of times they got stuck in that childhood conditioning, which just stopped them from moving forward spiritually. So I really, I'm very adamant about my students doing therapy. And it has made a huge difference in terms of what I see people growing spiritually. And if they get stuck in something, get into because sometimes when you do therapy, you do it over a certain thing. And then, you know, maybe five years later, something else is going to come up that you didn't even know about that's going to get you stuck. Mm. And so I'll say, okay, I think you need to go back, go back to therapy for a while and just look at this. Yeah, I truly think every single person should go to therapy, whether they think they need it or not. And I'm so glad that finally some of the stigmas around mental health are starting to go away. I mean, it's not 100%, but certainly people are now talking about it and starting to be more open about the need for therapy. And I, I really think that's such important advice because on your own, you are going to hit a block. And I think so many people will argue that, well, I have people in my life who are supportive that I can talk to. And that's all well and good. And you should have that. But having that person who 
is that impartial party in some ways, but they are in your corner and they are trained to help you through these situations and really guide you through. And especially I think from the spiritual level as well, or, you know, walking through maybe past traumas or I, I hadn't even really thought about the past life traumas, but I think that that could certainly be the origin for so many of us. Oh yeah. I've had students that have come in and really have had a hard time because in a previous life, they were with a, a guru that was really very abusive to them. And, you know, that also has happened in the past. And even in, even in today's world, it happens. So it's, it's knowing that, or if they've been in a past life where they've been uh, in a monastery and it's had a really difficult problem being in the monastery. So they bring all those past spiritual experiences with them also into a spiritual teaching the next time they're in one. So that attitude is there. It could come up anytime in that in the in their, their spiritual journey. Because all that is kind of opened up for them again. So they have to really see it in order to be able to handle it again and let it go and just let it go. Sometimes they can't let it go. And that's mm-hmm. also what happens. So it's not I mean the spiritual path is not an easy path. It's a very difficult one, but it's a very rewarding one. I think so. I mean, I think Yes, you could possibly open up some wounds, but you get out of that stuck feeling and you certainly, as we've talked about, you are moving into that higher self. I think it it just helps you in so many areas of your life if you can move past those blocks. I'd love to know right now, I think so many of us are struggling with the pandemic and the uncertainty of the world and just regular stresses as well of just every day being a human. And what are some of your suggestions for us to cope with difficult or uncertain times? Oh, and we are going through very difficult times, particularly now. Mm. Well, I know that one of the things that I've always suggested to people I did myself when I was, well, because I live alone, so I, so I had to really live that whole time alone. But I must say, I one of the things I really enjoyed during the pandemic was I love classical music, and they had wonderful concerts on, on virtual concerts that they were giving out free to people and from all over the world. So I would spend at least three nights a week Zooming and, and, and not, you know, doing virtual concerts. I have a very large computer here, which is very nice for me. And also, I think it's important to really be with your friends. I know all I'm part of my class I did online. Zoom, we didn't, we stopped the the physical class, did it online. And what was interesting, every time I've done a class online or even done a retreat online, because I do retreats online, I found the energy was still there. Which I could never understand. We're, we're working in the virtual thing, but I could feel the energy of the people. And everybody in that could also feel the energy, which was wonderful because you miss that so much by not being with people. You miss mainly the energy of, of, of that companionship with being with people. But I did find it with Zoom. The only, the only thing I really always missed was hugging people. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that was wonderful to go back to. And now we're, of course, back to being more isolated again. But I also found the nature thing was important and the beauty thing was important to really every day to bring beauty in your life. Do something that you is fun for you to do. You know, watch funny things so it kind of uplifts you. Do things that uplift your spirit. And also with the, with the what's going on in the world, like with, I always think it's important to 
meditate and send prayer to like Haiti, to those people that, that died and to the people that are you know, really in this terrible condition once again, if it's going through in, in Haiti. And for all the people coming out of Afghanistan, what's going on there is terrible. I think it's important to use your heart to just, and when you meditate, even if you don't meditate, you just take time to link with your heart and send heart energy to those people. And energy, it goes to other places. It just doesn't stay with you. It can really travel. That kind of thought energy can travel to other places. So if you focus on that place and concentrate on it and just imagine and link with your heart and imagine that heart energy is going to that place, it really goes there. It really goes there. And I think it's important to do that, to try to help in some way. We're kind of we're stuck in our houses and we can't do anything. So I think it's important to still, when we hear things that are happening that are negative or bad or, or really hurtful to others, to just send loving thoughts to those people. And I know they will receive them. It will help them. I believe that too. And I, I really do think it helps others and it kind of takes you out of, I hate to say the woe is me, but I think we do sometimes in uncertain times find ourselves feeling a little sorry for ourselves and kind of remembering that we have love that we can send and, you know, and, and maybe sometimes do something physically to to help as well. I think that's so important to maybe get out of our own heads and not be so focused on on our own situation, but sending that love to others. So I really love that. And I think doing something fun, that's something that we don't prioritize in the way that that we could. I think we get so wrapped up in how busy we are or how, quote unquote, difficult things can be. And I do think they are difficult, but one thing that really stood out to me during the pandemic, I had heard someone refer to one of the best ways to practice self-care is to do the things that feel like you. And I think that's why I was struggling so much throughout the pandemic that even though I am an introvert, I live by myself and I did over time start to really experience that loneliness. But one of the things I really love to do before the pandemic was to get in my car and go to a new place and just go exploring. And I felt that that wasn't possible. But at one point in the pandemic, I realized that there were some safe activities. It was going to look very different. It was going to have to be all outdoors and very distanced. But to find a safe way to do something that felt like me, that was fun to do, and that maybe wasn't taking myself so seriously, but just getting in the car and driving and how big of a difference that made and how that really propelled me through the week after kind of just getting through the days at that point. Yeah. And also, you know, by the way, the other thing that people were doing is getting dogs and cats. And I got to tell you, I was going to get myself a dog at one point and I couldn't find one because there, there, there were so many people buying puppies and buying dogs during the pandemic. And they're wonderful. Dogs are so they they are so funny to look at. Puppies are <laughs> wonderful, and and they're so playful. And they are definitely will uplift your spirit. So I always tell people if you can get a dog, or I had a cat one time too, and a wonderful dog. It's it's really good to have those in your house because they're they're loving and they cuddle. You can cuddle them and you could you know love them. <laughs> so uh, I don't. Do you have a dog or a cat? 
I do not. And I think if I had known at the beginning of the pandemic how long I would have been at home um, working from my apartment, I would have gotten a dog. I really want to get a German Shepherd. And I know that with the energy they have, I, I thought if I were going back into the office within a couple of months, I wouldn't be able to you know, take him or her on walks the way I'd want to and really get out. But the yeah. fact that I was pretty much home all the time for almost – a year and a half. I, I I really wish that I had gotten one, but it is definitely on the horizon and probably in the next couple of years for sure. But I did spend a lot of time at my parents' house and they do have a couple of dogs and my sister's dog. So I lived vicariously through them and spent a lot of time stealing their dogs from them. <laughs> yeah, steal their dog, take them. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I mean, the I think that I, when I was working full time, I had a cat. And, yes. and because the cat didn't have to go out and the cat was, you know, fine being home by itself. I tried to get another cat as a companion cat and it hated me bringing another cat in. <laughs> it, would, it, it would get sick. Every time I brought another cat in, she would just, she would go pee in my bed, number one, oh. and, and get sick. So I, I stopped that. But I got my dog when I came up to the Berkshires when I was working out of my house. And that was wonderful. So I got a Border Collie. Who, that was fabulous dog. So. I, I, I miss having a dog right now. So they really are incredible animals, and I cannot wait to get one at some point. I I get tears in my eyes thinking about my parents' dogs, and that, that's the thing I miss the most. I think being back in the office was I would go down to South Florida for a week or two at a time and work remotely from from my parents' house, and I would have the little Cavalier King Charles sitting right next to me snoring and. <laughs> <laughs> Or he'd sure. he'd get up and walk around a little bit, but just having the the dogs would come in and check on you and see how you're doing. And if my parents were out, I'd take them on walks, and it was it was such a nice thing and to have that companionship and just that true love that they they just want you to love them and yeah. feed them. <laughs> yeah, my my water collie loved going in my paddle boat, and oh. every time I put him on the paddle boat to go out, he would look at me with such love in his eyes. I mean, it was just heartbreaking. It was just so beautiful. It was, there was so much love coming out from his eyes. So, uh, you know, that was that was always a wonderful experience for me also. That's absolutely incredible. They they really are just absolutely amazing and just the purest souls. I, I truly believe that. Yeah, I do too. Now tell me a little bit about, we talked about this a little bit, but your experience as a psychotherapist, you know, we talked about how your spiritual teachings affected that. How has your experience as a psychotherapist shaped your spiritual teachings? Oh, it's completely shaped it, <laughs> completely. Mm -hmm. Because number one, as I've mentioned to you before, in, my, in Agni Yoga, my spiritual brothers and sisters were, got stuck because they didn't have therapy. And so the the main difference of the higher self yoga is that I have all my books. I have a lot of books now. Not a lot of books, but I, I've written 12 books. And they all have exercises and, and stories that, that, are, that illustrate the exercises. And all the exercises are either spiritual or psychological. So I've brought the whole thing of, of what I've learned as a therapist into the higher self yoga teaching. And realized it was it just such a big difference. So that by by classes they work with those exercises in the books, and that really helps them. And they share the exercises with each other in class. So it's been a very important part of my teaching, in terms of sharing it together. I have 
I work with community. I love community in terms of people really working together. My students have buddies that they work with on the same thing on the books and exercises. And so it's just been so part of all my teaching that, that I do exercises are psychological ones because it's, as I said before, it was so important to me to, to see the difference between working just without working uh, with, with those kind of psychological background in, in Agni Yoga to changing it to really working psychologically. And I think that all the yogas of the future will be working more psychologically. That's that's incredible. And I really do see how the two just go hand in hand. And for our listeners who are curious and want to know more, what are some of the courses that you offer? Well, we have right now two courses on our Hare Self Yoga website. And uh, the first one is Awakening the Intuition, which builds the foundation of balancing your body, heart, and mind, which I think your people would be very interested in, mm-hmm. and prepares students for learning meditation and self-discovery. But the new one, which is very good and which we really are kind of advertising, is based on my book, How to Live from Your Heart. And the, uh, and the subtitle is Deepen Relationships, Develop Creativity, discover your inner wisdom and the second one is also a course which has three parts to it first one does two and the second one has the first part is how to use your heart to explore your inner world and what i mean by inner world is to really come to a deeper understanding of yourself and who you are because it's really important in any kind of yoga by the way to really know who you are what your beingness is and the second section is to use your heart to nurture relationships and it's it's also important when you're working with people or friends or even family or business to really link with your heart to that person and really have an understanding you hear them better you can mirror what they really are feeling or thinking and then the third part is to expand the openness of your heart to encompass the world as a whole and that's part of one of the things I was saying before is to to really use your heart to send help to other people that are hurting or love and love feelings to those people that are suffering in the world and that's all part of the things in my book by the way by the way these two courses are totally free we wanted to start doing these these courses on our website for people and we're offering them free and they're courses that you can do at any time Once you sign up to it, they are in three parts. You can actually do one part one day, one part another day. And there are philosophy and classes in each one and exercises and guided meditations to do in each each section. So I would recommend it to everybody just to try it, to do it, because I think it would be very helpful to everyone that's listening. Those both sound like such incredible courses. I will definitely be taking them both myself. But I think that, you know, what a gift to be offering that for free and something that I think so many of us could benefit from. I think understanding ourselves is something that we think we do. It sounds like something we should know, but I think if someone truly asks you, you know, who are you? I think so few of us can actually answer that. And I think that's something that we should understand better just to operate better in all areas of our lives. Yeah, I think that's very true in any yoga teaching also is the main purpose is to really to try to discover who you really are. And part of that discovery, of course, is the spiritual part of who you are. I don't know, does everybody know that yoga means union with God or the source? That's the, that's the definition of that, that word. 
So any yoga that you're taking, even Hatha yoga, which is physical, is about really doing things within yourself spiritually, coming to a place where you start to make that spiritual connection to the source. And in so doing that, you start to start to understand more about who you are, not just who you are, say it's Valerie, but who you are as a person within and who you are spiritually. So it's always a question that I think that's always being asked in yoga is who you are, to find out who you are and what is your purpose in this life? What is your purpose? I love that. And I do think a lot of us neglect that, especially in, I think so often we might take a yoga class for for the exercise. And I do think it it is really fantastic. And I feel physically better when I do yoga, but to really be focused on that union with source and to connect with ourselves, I think that's so important. And we often neglect that. And so I hope that this is a powerful reminder for everyone listening that there is something deeper that we can gain when we, when we do yoga, when we practice. Uh-huh. Most definitely. Now, I would love to switch gears and ask you just a few of our rapid fire questions so the listeners can get to know you a little more too. Okay, go ahead. Wonderful. Now, one of these we've been talking about quite a bit, so you may have a few, but what is your top wellness tip? Well, my top wellness is meditation, (laughs) honestly, and also working with your higher self and your heart. Those three things. I can have all three things, right? (laughs) Yes. they They actually all work together. They all work together. Absolutely. Now, where is your favorite travel destination? Well, you know, I actually have traveled to most countries in the world. I'm a big traveler, but I lived in Italy for a year. And and after I lived in Italy, I had a spiritual brother in Italy. I used to go back and visit him every two years. So I would have to say Italy because Italy is in my bones. <laughs> That's beautiful. Where in Italy? I lived in Florence, Fienze. I went to art school there for a year. Oh, wow. And I was also engaged to an Italian. So Italy is kind of close to my heart. And I think Florence is such a beautiful place to be studying art as well. I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. It was, it was wonderful. It was really wonderful. Definitely. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why? Oh, of course, a dog. The why is because, you know, having had Merlin in my life, that was his name. He's just, just such a wonderful dog. Yeah. <laughs> a wonderful dog. He was so smart. Border Collies are very, very smart. Yes. And it got to the point before he died that I had to spell any words out. I didn't want him to know because he knew everything. <laughs> so, and so he was really a good companion to me. Wonderful companion. Oh, that's lovely. They they really are. And they are so smart. They are sometimes too smart for their own good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be? Well, I just bought a flute. A small flute, but I haven't had a chance. I've been so busy, I haven't had a chance to read the directions on how to use it. <laughs> but I thought I would like to just try something like music instrument of some kind. And I hope I'll do that, but I'm so busy right now, I don't know if I will. <laughs> oh, sure. I mean, that's amazing. Do you play any other instruments? I used to play that. I studied piano when I lived in Florence, Italy. I studied at the conservatory there. I really always wanted to be play the piano, but it was kind of too late for me because I'd studied when I was 30. And I didn't have the dexterity in my hands. I always loved the piano. I, we had a grand piano, maybe grand piano growing up, but and people played. But the 
when my father passed away, we sold the piano and went to Florida, and that's when I stopped playing it. So I did, I did play it again until I was 30. So I would have loved to have been really played the piano more. And I, when I came back, I was living in an apartment. It was too hard to do all that. So, mm. but it was fun doing it at that time. And I, and I love music. I love classical music and I love all music actually. Yeah. I, I think there's just this, something so therapeutic with listening to music and flute is absolutely beautiful. I hope that you do learn how to use it. So what would you say is next for you on your bucket list? Well, I've, I've done all my spiritual books. Well, I shouldn't say that because my last book is going to be memoir. Okay. And uh, everybody's asking me to do a memoir. So I've decided my last book will be mem- memoir. And then I'm going to retire from writing, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I always do other things. <laughs> I do hope, though. I want to go back to penning a little bit. Well, that's absolutely incredible. And as an aspiring writer, I am definitely in awe. Well, it's wonderful. If you're an aspiring writer, write. Do it every mm-hmm. day. You can't just do it every day, whether you're doing well or not. You might hate something. And that's okay. Just write. Just write. But do it every day. It's like meditating. you got to do it every day, whether you're inspired or not. Just write anything and just do it every day. And then you really get into the mode of writing and really wanting to write. Do you do a lot of writing? I do. The blogging, but then, you know, I do a lot of writing for work. And I think from that, it kind of makes you not as focused on the creative side of it. So I don't do as much creative writing as I used to, but I would like to get back into that again. Mm -hmm. No, you should. You should try to do that. And just even it's, even even if it's like 15 minutes a day, again, if you keep doing it, then you're going to start really getting more into it and loving it. You know, that's what during the pandemic, that would be something that would have been really good for you to do something creative. That was another thing yes. I think it's important to do. Did you do more writing when you were during the pandemic? No, but I think starting the podcast was my was my baby during the pandemic. But I do think, especially with things unfortunately closing down again, I think that is something I really ought to be focusing on as getting some of that time a little bit again at home um, to be working on that. Absolutely. I do find that focusing on those creative pursuits, that's another way that I really am able to quiet my mind a little bit and Mm -hmm. um, not be quite as anxious sometimes in certain situations. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, that will really help you. That's true. Very true. Anything creative really helps you. Definitely. Now, for our listeners who would love to find you and learn more about what you do, where can they find you and connect? Well, my website is Nanette Hucknell or NanetheHucknell.com. And the other place that really connect to is the Higher Self Yoga website, HigherSelfYoga.org. And uh, I'm also on that, obviously. But I have a, I have my own blogs on my own private site. So, and I have even, even uh, other writings, inter- interviews on that site, too. So please join both sites. Go to both sites and and take the classes. I also have a link to the class from my site too. And oh, I should also add, I'm on all social media stuff. Um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram as Nanette V. Hucknell. And you can find me on Twitter as N.V. Hucknell. And I have an Amazon page of all my books. And I have a new book coming out this fall, which is called Higher Self Yoga, A Practical Teaching. This is what I was saying before. That's my new book. And I have another book that's coming out, which is my novel, 
uh, hopefully this year, if it's not this year, it'll be the beginning of next year. And it's called Zarathustra's Journey. And it's, uh, I love writing it as a novel. It's a, about a Swiss man's spiritual journey. That's really interesting, really interesting. So I would, when that comes out, I'll talk more about that. Maybe you'll have me back on your show. Absolutely. I would love that. This has been fantastic and I could talk to you forever. So I definitely will link those in the show notes and I can't wait to place my orders on those. They sound fantastic, especially I'm, I'm always a fan of a good novel and I think that sounds really amazing. Okay. Well, thank you. I will really enjoy coming back there and I really enjoy talking to you also. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing your wisdom with us. I know I learned a lot today and I'm sure the listeners did as well. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. Uh, Thank you so much too, Valerie. What a powerful conversation. It was truly an honor to speak with Nanette and learn more of her story. We covered so many important topics in this episode and we could have easily extended the conversation several more hours. So we will definitely have to have her back on the show in the future. I loved Nanette's gentle approach to wellness. She had so many practical takeaways and exercises for us to incorporate those higher self-teachings into our busy lives. And I love the idea that spirituality and career don't have to be an either or. We can find room for both. I'm especially excited to take Nanette's online courses and I can't wait to share my experience on the podcast. Let me know if you decide to take her courses as well. I've linked those in the show notes along with Nanette's information and where you can access her books. Thank you once again for tuning in this week. If you enjoyed today's conversation, please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in from. It is a really helpful way to lend your support to the podcast and it only takes a few minutes. If you have a topic or a guest that you'd like to see, please shoot me an email at valerie at wellnessandwanderlust.net or DM me on Instagram at Wellness and Wanderlust blog. Hit that subscribe button to keep up with new episodes and share this episode with a friend. Have a wonderful day, and I can't wait to see you next week.